If you would all just stand with me as we read the scriptures this morning. And then we're going to get right into what it is we have. Matthew records for us, starting in verse 22, immediately he, this being Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is God's word. You may be seated. Father, open up our hearts and our minds. Teach us what we don't know. Help us to walk in the faith that you require of us in each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, I think I could probably do this before it is we have to eat, but I have you here because we have food, so you're stuck. <laughs> Title of the message, Leap of Faith. As creative as I am, there you have it. And we're going to be tackling our core value this week, that it is never too late to become all God has called you to be. Now, that's my core value. I know it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it means everything, frankly. It is never too late to become all that God has called you to be, whether you're five years old or you're 500 years old. And what I want us primarily focusing on as we walk through this text of Scripture is that the faith journey is one of challenge and it's one of growth. Each one of us, doesn't matter where you are in life, but each one of us, because we are in different places, yet we are looking towards the same hope, and that hope is Christ. To be all God has called us to be, as we are conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. That is what our goal is. That is the hope. But if you were asked to assess a group of people here in this world and determine which one had the best leadership skills, the most potential, the best skill set, How would you do it? How would you go about assessing that? From the outside looking in, you would probably take a look at their track record, perhaps. Maybe understand their resume, their patterns of behavior, how successful they've been in the past, um, the things that they've maybe um, done very well at, what their successes and failures are, and try to determine that, yeah, that's the right person that I want for the job. That's the one. But what if you couldn't really find one that stood out among the group? What if you were looking at a group that perhaps you wanted to wipe the board and start over again? Because the group that you're looking at has the ability to fall short pretty much all of the time, but right now that's about all they've got. Would you go with a group like that? Because you see, the disciples were exactly that kind of group. They were handpicked by Jesus himself. And frankly, by today's standards, by anybody's standards in the corporate world, Jesus would have been an epic failure for how it is and who it was that he picked to be on his team. They missed the mark pretty much all the time. They made bad decisions even when Jesus tried to help them make good decisions. They argued over who, was, who it was that the boss liked better when they were sitting around the fire for dinner. 
and who had the most power and who could work their angle with Jesus as they went through life. None of this was what one would expect from a team that God picked to bring his message to the world, is it? I think perhaps it is. It's a great place to start because potential is the key. Potential is the key. Jesus saw things about these men that no one else saw. He understood what they could be, not what they were. He knew who and what they would become as they grew in him in life. He just needed to help them see it as they grew in their understanding of him as much as they grew in their understanding of themselves. But we have to understand that the faith journey in Jesus is always a very rough journey. At times, for sure, we can be guaranteed that it's not going to be an easy one, especially for this Peter character that we're going to take a look at today. Because we find him here in Matthew's gospel. Every one of them are all tired from a long day of ministry. And Jesus and the disciples, these boys, had just found out that Herod had killed John the Baptist. This is the context of the chapter that we're in. Jesus has now just become aware of the fact that he's lost his cousin. Because John the Baptist was that. He was family. He wasn't just John the Baptist. And he tries to get away. He needs some quiet time alone. But people follow him. So he does what he always does. And he just simply begins to teach. He does not going to have that kind of quiet time to process what's just happened and what it is he's just heard. There's people in need. And at the end of another long day of serving people and of feeding them in the wilderness, the 5,000 people are fed with the loaves and the fishes and all of that. I leave that to you to read. Jesus sends the disciples out onto the lake in a boat. Get away. That's probably the best way that you can get away and have some downtime. And he turns and he sends the crowds home. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. It's one of the very few instances that you'll ever find in all of Scripture and all of the New Testament recorded for us that Jesus is totally alone in a time of quiet and solitude. He needs time to pray. He has to have that. It's a lesson in itself that every one of us ought to learn as we talk about healthy church and healthy individuals, most especially, especially in the busyness of our lives. There's not a person in this room that isn't booking themselves so tight because of the busyness of life that we have to carve out times to be with our family and times to be with one another and times to be in the Word. But Jesus didn't forget ever that he needed to process and he needed to talk with the Father. No matter how busy he was, no matter what was going on in his life, he carved out time to be with him. He didn't just quickly skip like a rock across the pond onto the next thing to preoccupy himself. He allowed himself the time to process. While he was there in the hills, he was probably praying for himself in his grief about John. He was a human being, and he had lost a cousin and a friend. So he had to process that. And as we talked a few weeks ago, if you were here, he was probably praying for the disciples as well, whom he had just sent out onto the lake. Why was he doing that? Well, because the storm was coming that they knew absolutely nothing about. And he was praying for them because they were going to need to be prepared for what it was that was about to happen. So I suspect that that was probably what was going on in those hills. He knew the challenges that they would have to deal with while they were out in the middle of that lake. Because there are things that they needed to learn that could only be learned and can only happen in places like a storm in the middle of the lake. And they would need prayer. 
And we discover that Peter, in the midst of this storm, while a very impetuous disciple, one whose mouth constantly wrote checks that the rest of his body had a very difficult time cashing, would show us a bit of what Jesus actually saw inside of him with something that he was going to be doing. And what was that? Faith to step out into the darkness at a simple word. To do something he had never done before. We get a glimpse of it here. And somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 o'clock in the morning, Jesus has finished praying, and he sees that there's trouble as he probably looks down the hill onto the lake. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Notice he didn't grab himself a canoe or a boat and head out on his own. He just decided, I'm just going to walk, probably quicker that way. Now remember, every one of the disciples were on this boat. Jesus sent all of them out there, including this impetuous Peter. There wasn't half of them this time. They were all gathered together. And each one of them, let's remember, were on a different spot in their journey of faith and what it was they understood about Jesus and what they were ready to be challenged with. Probably half of this group on this boat were professional fishermen and understood this lake better than Jesus knew this lake and also knew that there was a problem that was happening with them. And they actually identified two. The first was this, that the lake was giving them a great bit of difficulty and they were having a hard time getting to the other side. And number two, when they looked back towards the shore from which they left, someone was walking on the lake. That was strange. Not something that they should expect. And this stretches their faith in a way as they wonder who or what is coming their way. This is not a normal thing. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And what did they do? They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Why would they do that? Why would they think that? Never seen this before. Never seen a human being walking on liquid water. Must be a ghost. Has to be. And see, our minds always seem to go towards what we think we know some natural explanation for this. And there was a belief at that time that the sea itself was a dangerous and chaotic place and anybody that passed away or died on the sea, in a storm like this, they would sometimes appear. So this is part of their map. So if it's not a guy, because we've never seen this before, it's got to be a ghost. And we think that's real strange when we look at a story like this because it's just weird. But they didn't think it's strange. And honestly, when I read something like this, our culture is much more quickly and apt to believe that it was a ghost than perhaps a regular guy walking on the water. They have a hard time believing that Jesus could do this. Jesus, however, is really quick to correct them. He says, immediately, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. The stage is set at this point for one of the craziest things to happen with these guys something that's never happened before. All 12 are in the boat, every one of them. But I wonder, as I think about this, how many of them are hanging on to the edge of the boat trying to see if it's actually Jesus? How many of them are right there on the edge, ready to figure out what's going on? Because I got a question. How many actually step out of the boat? Just one. How many are on the boat? 12. That causes me to wonder, where are the others? Are they more towards the middle of the boat? Because they're not quite where this Peter is, kind of huddled in the middle because the storm's going on and we're a little bit concerned. Not right there where Peter is along the edge. I don't know. 
just something for me to think about. I think it's something for all of us to think about. I wonder that because each one of us is on our journey to becoming all God has called us to be, and we are all somewhere in the boat, aren't we? Each one of us. Some even are actually right there on the edge, getting ready to step over into the great unknown, having never done this before. Faithful discipleship means we must step out in faith, allowing God to conform us to the likeness of Jesus. Let me say that again. Faithful discipleship means we must step out in faith, allowing God to conform us to the likeness of Jesus. This is one of the challenges Paul puts forth in Romans chapter 8 when he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's purpose for us, that we be conformed to Jesus in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, growth never happens on the comfort of our couches, people. Growth does not happen in the comfort of our own homes, nor does it occur by digging in and staying put in our lives. That's not where growth occurs. See, sometimes in the middle of that growth that God is pushing us to and moving us through and forward in, it feels nothing at all like God is working anything together for the good as we struggle to deal with the things that he's got for us. But he is. Everything he has us in, everything he has us to do, everything that we are struggling through and is a faith challenge for us, God is using to grow us and conform us to Jesus. And it is for our good, even if we don't understand that now. And the intention for such a practical thing like this is to grow into all that God has for us to be. And Peter, I don't know that he necessarily sees this, but perhaps he does. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. That's impetuous Peter. Who who does that? I mean, really, who does that? Is that what you would have done? I wouldn't have done it. Hey, I'm out in the middle of the lake. It's a little bit stormy. Guys walking across the water. If it's you, Lord, tell me to come out of the boat. That's probably not my first thought. But that's Peter's first thought. And in doing so, he gives us a glimpse of who he would become because of these types of faith steps in his life. He's going to fall again, no doubt. But Jesus could have easily looked at Peter at this moment in time and said, no, 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 listen, it's me. I'll come to you. Does he? No, he doesn't. He actually says to Peter, okay, come. Step out of the boat. In other words, let's see where and just how far your faith is going to take you. You believe it's me? You want me to tell you to come out of the boat? Come out of the boat. How far is your faith going to bring you? Because life isn't always going to be a safe and quiet boat ride. Not for any of us. It's just not. That means you have to be prepared to step into the unknown. You have to be able to take that risk. And in doing so, you're stepping into the potential that God has for you. So what's going on here. This forming of Christian character. This dependence upon God. Not really understanding how I'm going to walk on the water, but I know that if it's Jesus and he's telling me to come, I'm going to be good. Faith that he's going to take care of us. This working out of our salvation is his will. We are to work out what it is he's working in, aren't we? There's an active peace on our part. 
And it's clear that we have to be doing something because he has worked in us that which we need to work out. And sometimes it's a little bit frightening. We have work to do. We don't just sit around in church on Sunday, check our box and go home and go, Ben, they're done that. Bought the t-shirt, I'm good to go till next Sunday. That's not at all what the Christian life is about. Not at all. To be truly human, all that God has designed you and me to be, to be fully you, to be fully you, you actually have to die to yourself and you have to live for Christ. Which means sometimes we have to step out of the boat, being conformed to his image. And as backwards and as upside down as that is in this world and as it may seem to be, it isn't. It isn't. It's actually then that you can become everything God has created you to be. I'm going through this book right now called Faith for Exiles, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon, written by Kinnaman and Matlock. Kinnaman's the dude that runs the Barna group. And I want to read a little bit of something to you here in talking about how it is we are to be who we're supposed to be and, and in this world that we are challenged as Christians uh, to not die to ourselves and live to Christ. It's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. This is what he says. Collectively, our society says that our choices define our identity, but that is only partly true. It's true enough that our choices inform what we make of our lives. Certainly, we believe that God created human beings with agency to make choices, but we must persuade young exiles that the truest thing about being about humans is what our creator says about us. And this is the sentence, that we are created with essential worth and dignity as children crafted in his image and that following his son Jesus restores his image in us, which was broken as a result of human rebellion. God's desire is to conform you to the likeness of Jesus. The best way that you can be the best you is not to be Oprah-fied, but to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And I don't say that with any disrespect. But the upside-down and inside-out way of the kingdom of God is to die to yourself in order to live for Christ, and in doing so, you actually become who he has created you to be. Step out of the boat. Allow yourself to be ministered to in these ways. What makes us afraid is that, guess what? It's never calm seas when he challenges us, nor is it a straight path. See, this incident is just one of many in Peter's life that we can read throughout the Gospels and into the book of Acts, which stretched his faith, shaped his character, and defined his ministry. This is a guy who got it wrong more than he got it right. And I find great comfort in that. But for now, eyes focused, looking at Jesus, he is on a solid water of faith. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. We think he's nuts. Let's be honest. He's crazy. And he is. But then we think of his panic and fear and his cry, Lord, save me. We instantly turn from going, oh, he's nuts. He stepped out of the boat. We instantly think, man, he blew it. He got out of the boat and the idiot didn't keep his eyes focused. Now he's sinking. Really? Yeah, really, that's how we think. We think he's crazy for getting out, but then we think he's crazy for sinking. When we're not in the situation, we're real good at telling everybody else exactly how they ought to be and how it ought to work. He's lost his faith and he started to sink. I wouldn't have been that way. How many of you here today would have gotten out of that boat? How many of the others who were in that boat got out of that boat? Exactly zero. Nobody else but Peter. That's how many. 
Would you have done so if you had been challenged to go beyond yourself? Or would you have found some excuse as to why it is you couldn't step over the edge? I can't honestly stand here and tell you I'd have been the first one to jump off the edge of the boat. Because I'm not entirely certain. But I want to remind us all that faith never grows in the safety of settled places. Never. Our faith only grows when we step out and when we reach beyond who we are and towards who God is calling us to be. That's when our faith grows. And it is never too late for that. If you are breathing today, you have potential to be everything God has ever called you to be. That is just a biblical truth that you cannot get around. The only thing that keeps you from doing that is your obedience to him. It's the bowing down. It's the who is the king. Is it going to be me or is it going to be him? The question is, is will you step out? Will we risk stepping outside of the relative safety of a boat to test the waters of challenge that God is calling us to? I mean, think about this for a minute. Can you hear Jesus saying, come? Come. This is what I'm calling you to? Oh, but you have no idea the mistakes that I've made in my life. You have no idea how many times I have train wrecked different decisions. You have no idea how many times I have failed doing this. You have no idea how many times I've lost my temper, how many times I can't do this, and how many times I can't do that. Okay, he actually does. He knows better than you do all of these things. I'm doubtful and I'm unsure if it's God who's telling me to do this because it just seems to stretch beyond my capacity. I'm not very confident that I can do this. Chances are you can't. Chances are you can't. That's just the truth of it. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't if Jesus is saying to you, come. You see, that by definition is faith, isn't it? I I can't, Lord, but I'm, I'm trusting that you're calling me to do this, so I'm going to step out. Now, faith is what? The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Peter steps out of the boat. Boy, I hope I don't sink. (laughs) Right? And he didn't. He made it all the way to Jesus. My thought is I hope I don't sink because I've never done this before. Perhaps that's yours. I hope I don't fail. I hope I don't fall on my face. I hope I don't sink because I've, I've never been challenged in this way before. Or that demonic death verse for all churches, we've never done it this way before. Therefore, we can never do it any other way because we've never done it this way before. That's a nail in the coffin of every vision that every church has ever had. When you hit that wall that we've never done it this way before and you can't get beyond that, we're not going anywhere. The faith journey is an uncharted territory. And I have to trust God that he has prepared me for this. And you have to trust him as well that he has prepared you for it. Trusting in him who has been forming our character every day. This is who we are. And this prepares us for the next step in our faith journey, each step along the way, our next growth piece in our walk with the Lord. All of these things are real. It starts with the small things, doesn't it? I have never seen Jesus or the Father give us something that is so large that's going to cause us to freeze in our footsteps. He just doesn't do that. That would be of no value to us because we would never be able to move or go forward. But it will always be just beyond our abilities, I guarantee you. 
So there are times when it does feel that big. And each one of us is stepping along the way to becoming the image bearer that he has called us to be and he has created you to be. Every single one of you has the potential to be everything he has ever called you to be. Because, you know, Peter didn't get to the temple steps in Acts chapter 2 with that profound and beautiful sermon that brought 3,000 to Christ in one day on a feather bed of ease. He didn't arrive there on a golden chariot. No, he sank more than once from this point to that point. And he sank hard, denying he even knew Jesus at one point. But here we are. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I want you to understand this. Peter went as far as he could at that moment. Don't look at this as a negative thing. Peter went as far as he could at that moment. And Jesus was right there to pick him up and challenge him. Remember what I said. Okay, let's see how far your faith is going to take you, Peter. Come out of the boat. Peter went as far as he could. Jesus was there to pick him up and challenge him. He didn't let him sink or drown, did he? That's something that you need to remember. Whenever you feel that way, he did not let Peter sink or drown and then smack him in the side of the head and say, you dunce. He didn't do that. Not at all. You see, God honors our faith steps. When we are challenged by him to step out, he honors our faith steps because each one forms us and it makes us into what and whom God desires us to be. Each incident in Peter's life formed him. It built his character. It conformed him to his Lord Jesus. It made him all God had called him to be and saw in him when no one else saw it. What are you facing right now? What are you dealing with right now in your life that has you standing on the edge of a figurative boat? Where are you fearful and wavering a bit in your life and the challenges that you have? Because it's that moment when Jesus has his hand out and is closest to you. That moment of deepest doubt and struggle is when our Lord is this close to you and he is holding his hand out. You see, Jesus' rebuke here is a soft one. It's not, it's not a nasty one or a firm one. This is a soft rebuke with a challenge. That's what it is. And I want to close with this quote from N.T. Wright that I find very helpful. And I think as the worship team comes up, I think that this is going to be good for us to take a look at. N.T. Wright says this about this story when he's talking about Peter. He says, that's when we need to hear once more Jesus' words. A combination is so often of rebuke and encouragement. Is that really how much faith you have? Why all this doubt? The moment we are most strongly tempted to give up is probably the moment when help is, if we only knew it, just a step away. How many times have you been on the precipice and decided, I'm going to stop? I'm going to step back because I just don't know if I can take those steps because I'm just a little bit nervous because I just don't know how it's going to be. We need to remember that in the midst of the storms and in the midst of the sinking boat, as it were, the challenge for us to get out 
God honors our faith steps. He honors them. When you are in your biggest moment of fear and you're in your biggest moment of doubt, that is when he is right next to you. Not so he can spank you back down, but rather that he can lift you back up and that he can encourage you in that shortcoming, whatever it may be. God operates that way. He's not waiting to rebuke you and yell at you. He's waiting to lift you up and ask you, why was your faith so little? You got this far. Let's give it a go again. And maybe next time we can get all the way. So if what we have right now, as I close, I have a song that, I don't have a song at all. Goodness, I'll ruin the whole day. Steph is going to sing us a song that I just want us all to just kind of rest under. It's what I would call a sing-over. And then the worship team is going to bring us into that place of worship again as we close. And the prayer teams will come up after that, I am sure. Ashley will direct that traffic. But I want you just all, just rest and reflect on what we've talked about. Listen to this song that she's going to sing for us. It's a beautiful song, and it's very fitting. And I think it says probably everything it needs to say. shared the story with him and it's one of those moments where um, the Bible story is that you you learn as you're going through Sunday school and vacation Bible school um, it's kind of like one of those come to Jesus moments and in my high school when you go to your freshman year your first day they are very gentle with you <laughs> and let you experience your first day as a ninth grader just with your fellow ninth graders. It's very nice. But I was still scared. New building, no school. And I was very apprehensive. And my mother, who was a believer, and I was raised, you know, as a Christian since I was like four or five, she said, just train your eyes on Jesus. Just like when Peter was getting out of the boat, I'm like, you're bringing a Bible story into this? She said, yes, remember, he, he trained his eyes on Jesus. He didn't see the waves. He didn't see the storm. He was able to walk on water. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so in my unbelief, I'm like, okay, I'm a ninth grader. I know it all. I'm like, I'll just listen to you. I'll just do it. And I had a pretty good day. I was able to make it. I was able to survive and do well. Second day came. And everybody else was there, 10, 11, 12th grade. And to me, they were giants. Of course, physically, they probably were, because I was still very much vertically challenged. And I was just inundated with fear. It was too much. And obviously, keeping my eyes trained on Jesus was the last thing from my mind. And I couldn't handle it. And I came home devastated, crying, overwhelmed. And she asked me, were you able to keep your eyes on Jesus? I'm like, no. How could I? There were so many people. 
There were so many. They were too big. I couldn't handle it. She said, tomorrow try again because you don't really have an option. I'm like, oh, are you sure? I'm like, all right, I'll try it your way. Just one more day, I'll try it your way. And the next day, I did my best to consciously keep my eyes trained on him. And it wasn't so bad. I mean, it wasn't like the perfect day, but people were still big. And there was still a lot of people, but I could see a difference. And my faith grew a little bit more that day, like Pastor Mike just said, because I finally understood what it was, why it was so important to train my eyes and lock my eyes on him. And I finally understood why we're supposed to use that Bible as our map. And it started to make sense, and that was my new map. So as we listen to this song, I encourage you just to close your eyes and hear the words and imagine yourself on the edge of the seashore. And that will make sense as you listen to it because I'm sure that all of us have had one of those moments. And um, let the Holy Spirit talk to you. in my life I'm full but I'm not satisfied this longing to have more of you and I can feel it my heart is convinced I'm thirsty my soul can't be quenched you know this but still come and do whatever you want to I'm standing knee deep and I'm out where I've never been and I feel you coming and I hear your voice on the wind you come and tear down the boxes that I have tried to put you in. Let love come, teach me who you are again. Would you take me back to the place where my heart I 
teams take their places please we want you to know that the altar is open we're going to sing this one last song just know that if you don't want to come up you don't have to if you feel like you have something in your life that you just 